everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are heading into week two of our quarantine now. I've been working from home for over a week. Austin was at home this whole week. Yes, but I'm back at work on Monday because I am considered essential personnel, and that baffles everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Because everybody's talking about it. We talked about it last week. It'll probably come up again, but we're here to talk about other stuff this week because I feel like we might need that a little bit. Um, There's a few things we can talk about. We can talk about how I cannot beat you at any (laughs) game we've played. Yeah, our local game shop is doing a 19 games in 19 days thing where you play 19 games in 19 days and then you're entered for a $50 gift card. And it's on the honor system, but damn it, we are honorable people. Yes. So with the exception of one day, we've played a game together because on that day it was his D&D night, which they played via the internet because of, you know, self-distancing. I have beaten him at every single game, even Small World, which I learned to play while we were playing. Yeah, it's not fair. I think she's cheating, but I don't know how. Yes, because it's super easy to cheat up Boggle. Oh God, you feel like a Boggle superpower. You were, what, 40 points ahead of me? Oh, I had more than double your words. Yeah, it was embarrassing. We also decided to start watching uh, Love is Blind on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Everyone, like, oh my god, there's just human garbage on that show. What's his name? Like, Barnett. Barnett is the worst. I love, Barnett is just not who I thought he was. Who did you think he was? He told you exactly who he was. Sitting there, I'm a douche, I'm a douche, I'm a douche. It's like, you know, it's like you've got three women on the hook, and they're all talking to each other. You know this. And yet they all still want him. Is he like a millionaire? I think he's a millionaire. He's an engineer. He might be a millionaire. But at the same time, we are aware that they twist things and make people look better or worse based on what the producers want. But at the same time, we've got that couple that's, what, L- Lauren and... They are like, they seem like a perfectly happy, normal couple. So I have completely blocked them out of my head. And I can only focus on the shit show that is Barnett and Amber. And Amber and. Poor baby Mark. Poor baby Mark. Dude, Jessica is nothing but red flags, Mark. You gotta run. See, like- Jessica is our age. We know what you should be looking out for. And it's Jessica. Yeah. Oh, man. Just. Oh. It's like, I get like the hair stood up on my neck. It's like, is there something wrong? It's like, is a cat in danger? And I realized, <laughs> no, Jessica was the danger. Well, she is a dog person. And we are cat people. We very much are cat people. I am not looking forward to Austin going back to work this coming week. In part because my immune system sucks. And in part because I've been cleaning and the house is very clean right now. Except for the room we're currently in. Yeah, well, we've been kind of ignoring this room. I think this room is one of the rooms we need to focus on this weekend. Like, okay. get this house looking nice because if we are going to be stuck here, damn it, we are not sticking here in filth. I've got my comfy little like mini painting nest where I've been watching D&D actual play videos. I have nothing. You have nothing. I'm working from home still, which I actually kind of like. I, I've never been one to need to be around people too much. So that hasn't been a problem, but that's, you know, I, I work for eight hours and then... Go about my normal life, work on the podcast a little bit every day, work on the house a little bit Draco, every day. get out of her wine. Oh, you moved the my wine. My wine's over here. Sorry, I thought you set your wine over there and I thought Draco was about to drink your wine. Yeah, I have a box of wine that I have been very sparing with because we are in Kansas. So we're in Kansas City. We're on the Kansas side. Liquor or yeah, liquor and wine aren't sold in grocery stores here. The only thing you can buy is beer, and I'm allergic to beer. And I don't think liquor stores are going to be considered essential when we eventually get put into lockdown. And so I've been using eczema cream. Look how good my hands look. Oh, they're so soft, and they don't look like lizard claws anymore. No, I well, I'm also morphing back into my human form. Good, I'm glad, because I was like... Another good reason we had this week to ourselves is uh, she could finally shed her old lizard skin and grow back a new human one because it was I mean, that lizard skin gets really itchy after a while. We are lizard people. We are. Us, Mark Zuckerberg, Barack Obama, all lizard people. Dude, it's like, why can't we be one of the rich and successful lizard people? 
Yeah, guys, support our podcast. Make us rich and successful <laughs> lizard people. <sighs> so who goes first today? You went first last time because I remember editing like 17 hours <laughs> of hand washing. So I get to go first this time. Okay. And I'm going to go with a very um, normal and light topic. Okay. And I'm going to talk about Victorian sexuality. Oh, yeah. So this is like sexuality and i'm assuming we're not talking about sexuality like we talk about it today which is like gender identity and sexual identity oh no it's it is a very unique almost contradictory and more than a little insane set of rules and social norms from the time is it weirder than the fact that um early americans we the puritans encouraged their kids to have sex contrary to what we were taught in school so much weirder than that yeah well, I'll throw that in right now then. Because of the short life terms of the pur- people in the Puritan times, once you are betrothed to somebody, you shared a bed with the goal of conceiving children as early as possible. Yeah. But onto his topic. Yeah, this is not something we learned about in school, obviously, because it's going to get weird. And it's what we did learn was not wrong either. Like the Victorians were very uptight. They were stuck up. They were prudish. Everyone had a very set role and like image and what they were supposed to do that was set in stone and you couldn't really get away from it and everyone was just a repressed bundle of Englishness. Not unlike women in their roles today. Yeah, but this was even worse. And I don't mean the roles we impose upon ourselves for the most part. Patriarchy. Yeah. So we're going to uh, get started with the boring th- the boring thing I found. And the boring part was the sex cult. <laughs> Had wine in my mouth. Only the English could make a boring sex cult. He waited for me to have wine in my mouth before saying the word sex cult. Yes, I am the worst. I'm gonna. It's a word I have no idea how to pronounce. Sex cult. No, the sex cult was the agapemonites or agap agapemonites. It's all one word. All one word. I would go. It's it's spelled like agape. A-G-A-P-E, Monites, M-O-N-I-T-E-S. I would go with something like, I'm American, I'd go with Agapemonites, but probably something that sounds like Agapemonotes. I think it's Agapemonites. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Or, the, the easier to pronounce one that I probably should have used, the Lamp Letter Brethren, which... Are they still around? No. But there are a bunch of... It, uh, Google um, autocorrected it to Lamp Letter Brethren, which is a actual like church newsletter that so many churches use, and that amused me so much trying to is find that, this. Is that the Jehovah's Witness I think newsletter? So. I think it is. Yeah. Oh my. So, uh, roughly translated, it means the abode of love. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a swingers club. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. It was founded by a man named Henry Prince. Also impossible to fucking Google. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really common one. Yeah. He was a radical preacher who had gone to medical school, but this was like medical school like we've talked about in the olden times where they weren't really doing medicine. It was more like, yeah, this guy, he's good enough, maybe. I don't know what I'm doing either, so. He uh, got kicked out of the Church of England, and like most cults, he was under the impression that Jesus was coming back and he was coming back soon. And he's going to show up in Jackson County, Missouri. Oh, no, no. It's better than that. He got famous when he started throwing himself around the church like he was possessed and uh, just started acting possessed and got famous for that. And so people started coming to see this guy just flinging himself around a church preaching. <laughs> he was defrocked when a bishop came to visit him and um, he simply just quietly told the bishop that he was the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. Sure. And that he had taken on several spiritual brides. Did the brides know about this? Oh yeah, they knew. Because um, this was all a big con. This was all a big con. Um, His brides were the wealthy and young uh, female parishioners. And his, although his followers were expected to be chased and to help the world come, like come to its natural end. Sure. 
Um, but he was an embodiment of God, and he could fuck whoever he wanted. Great. So, using the money donated from his wealthy parishioners, because the son's like, we'll all pool our money together and live in luxury and wait for the world to end. Because, don't worry, it's coming. Isn't they- that what Jared Leto is doing right now? It's exactly what Jared fucking Leto is doing right now. He came out of, like, a 12-day meditation in the desert to find out that the world was ending out here. Yeah, this guy is basically Jared Leto, and it's probably... So this might be like a spoiler alert for what's going to happen to Jared Leto in like the next few years. Yeah, if anybody's walking around wearing white, intentionally looking like Jesus, probably not someone you should follow. Yeah. So yeah, he, he said that they must divest of all of their worldly possessions. But he got them all. Uh-huh. And he bought a bitchin'-ass mansion. Is this guy also known as Creed Bratton? I know I just mentioned Jared Leto, but this seems more Creed Bratton-y. Oh, it's going to get more Creed bratton All right. This is an 18-room mansion with more rooms for servants because you have to have servants. Um, there's also lots of little cozy cottages throughout it for all of the people who came to be a part of this church, which there was either uh, 500 people, according to Prince, or about 100 people, according to the people who didn't like him. There were a lot of people that didn't like him. So so a pretty, pretty big cult. Pretty big cult. And they also had a chapel and an absurd amount of billiards tables. There's even a billiards table... <laughs> In the chapel, which this billiards table is going to come up later. Oh, no. Oh, yes. You never want to hear billiards table, chapel, and sex cult all together. Three of his richer followers were the three Notridge sisters. They each gave about 6,000 pounds to him, which is about 200,000 pounds in today money. Are These are some of his brides? They weren't his brides. But they became the spiritual brides of some of his more, like, you know, loyal followers. Oh, okay. The oldest sister, Agnes, uh, objected to the celibate nature of the spiritual, of being a spiritual wife and totally had a child with another parishioner. Uh-huh. She got out and was warning her younger sister not to go join the sex cult. And her younger sister, being a younger sister, joined the sex cult. <laughs> uh, her parents didn't approve of this, shockingly, and... Three men were sent to rescue her. They captured her from the sex cult in the night and stole her out in a wagon before anyone could respond. And they locked her up against her will because she kept insisting that Prince was, in fact, divinity. Uh, The family had her declared insane by a friendly doctor, and they sent her to live in an asylum. Is that safer than the sex cult in the the Victorian area? Honestly, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But she did escape. She escaped it. And while she was on the run, she got word back to the sex cult that she had escaped and she was trying to get to them. But she got recaptured at Paddington Station. The fucking bear never mentioned the sex cult recapture. That little tiny bear walks up with his red boots on. Excuse me, miss. You need to come with me. Excuse me. I've escaped from a bear sex cult. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't mention that in the book either. No, these books were really censored uh, as time went on. Yeah. So that's what Paddington Bear is really about. Mm-hmm. It makes way more sense. It totally does. I've ruined someone's childhood. I can feel, and like no one's listened to this except for us yet, but I can feel a childhood about to be ruined. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Yes. It's true. It's true. So, but one of the uh, pastors of the sex cult petitioned the Commissioners of Lunacy, which was overviewed the, which overviewed the asylums in England, and got her released and declared sane. So he called some stage managers and pulled some strings. The Commissioners of Lunacy. That's <laughs> a great, by the way, great band name. Uh-huh. Then she sued her family for false imprisonment. Then after her death, because she died a few years after this, because it was Victorian England and everybody just died. Except for the ones that still live on. Because as we learned, Wikipedia has a list of fake vampires and a list of vampires. Yep. So maybe there's vamp. Maybe this is a vampire sex cult. I mean, haven't we learned from all vampire movies that that's what all vampire groups are? Vampire sex cults? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, so then after she died, her family sued Prince for her money because she willed him everything. Uh, her family won the lawsuit and got the money. So, yeah, that was that. That was that, that, was that with them. Didn't you say there were three sisters with that there was one? Three, the, the third one was not interesting at all. She was just... In a sex cult. They only wanted to rescue the youngest one for some reason. Well, we're both oldest children. We both know why. Yeah, it's like, it's like, surely the third won't join a sex cult. Oh, fuck. We gotta get her out. (laughs) 
We thought we made all of our mistakes with the first ones. So that was that. So shortly after all of these lawsuits and stuff, there was the billiard table incident. Oh no. Oh, yes. In 1856, Prince and Zoe Patterson, a virginal follower, had sex in front of an audience on top of a billiards table as a ceremony so that she could give birth to a new spiritual messiah because he was an embodiment of the holy spirit so this was exactly like how they made jesus in front of a group of people in front of a group of people don't remember that from the bible i don't either i mostly remember that being a scared and alone tween having some dude jump in her room and being like hey guess what so this caused a slight schism in the in the cult so we're like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. We're supposed to be chased followers. But he's like, I've been fucking everybody behind your backs, prudes. So some of them left. But the ones who remained got really cool titles. <laughs> like the Anointed Ones. Or the Angels of the Lost Trumpet. Sorry, <laughs> or the Seven Witnesses. Which I'm pretty sure there were more than seven of them. But some of them got to be the Seven Witnesses. Did she get pregnant? She actually got pregnant. That Not spiritually time? pregnant, that but actual time? pregnant. I'm guessing they'd been doing it a lot more since then because he was a dirty old man. Oh, uh, how old is he? Uh, he didn't die until 1899, so it took a while. But yeah, he's uh, she got actual pregnant. They named the daughter Eve. He uh, quickly responded, "No, no, it's gonna. It was an actual pregnancy that was supposed to happen, not a spiritual pregnancy. Actual pregnancy because it was a girl. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, Prince turned out to not be immortal. What? He died in 1899, and the church had. After that, the church just started declining. It was just a bunch of old men lounging around in luxury with a bunch of attractive young women. So it was like the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. The last member of this cult died. And you want to guess the year? 1952. So close. 1956. Oh, I was close. The One of the granddaughters of a prince's successor who had led the cult for a while, but it mostly became a laughing stock. Shocking. Yeah. It did not do so well outside the Victorian era. I mean, it was overtaken by a lot of other sex cults. Yes. Much better sex cults. Not boring sex cults. Sexier sex cults. Because the last member was talking about how it was just a nice place to grow up with her, like, weird cult family. And they were just so lovely and caring. And she got to grow up on this palatial estate. And it was just a wonderful time. So a boring sex cult. It was a boring sex cult. Because cults either end in an orgy of mass violence or they get boring and just become a place where people live. The only last news about this place comes up in 2010 where some of Prince's illegitimate um, children, because he had lots of illegitimate children, tried to sue to get the million pound I can't estate. imagine these are his illegitimate children in that time. No, no, these are his descendants from okay. his illegitimate children. Tried to sue to get the million pound estate in 2010 and their case was dismissed. So what did happen to the estate? It's just, it got sold to somebody. Somebody just owns it now i don't know what they're doing with it someone's just like this is my sex cult house yeah it's like i would you like to have your wedding here someone's like yes i i did buy that place it it was a sex cult but it is so close to a tube stop and it's not (laughs) near a tube stop it's out in the country somewhere yeah so because that was kind of a short story i started looking into other stuff and there's so many things that aren't an entire episode but are just worth talking about so i thought i would mention them okay First thing is the flagellation brothels. Oh. Uh, Victorian men loved spankings. Uh-huh. And not like they didn't like like spanking other people. They loved being spanked. Okay. There's two theories about this. Either they all went to these like, you know, boarding schools in which, you know, if you did something wrong, you would be publicly flogged in right. front of an audience. And they started to take some type of erotic pleasure out of it. Or it was because they were expected to be so in control and so authoritative and just, you know, everything is right and I'm always right. That this was the release in which someone else was taking charge of them. Mm -hmm. They would also, sometimes men would ask their friends to just smack their bare ass, like recreationally. It wasn't gay for them. It was just, (laughs) hey, I've had a rough week. Why don't you just bend me over and wail on my keister? (laughs) Again, this was not considered gay by Victorian men, and they didn't really have the same gender, like, standards or sexuality, like, stuff that we have now. This was just an acceptable well, I, thing. I don't think that that alone, you know, is considered gay by anybody. It's, I would consider, like, if I went up to one of my friends and said, hey, would, uh, I'm going to pull out my pants. I just need you to wail on me for a bit. 
I'm pretty sure they would say no. And I'm pretty well, by today's standards, yes, that would be some kind of very bizarre come on. Although the internet's a scary place, and I have found evidence that this is actually very common among teenage boys these days. Wow. And it's not uh, connected to sexuality in any way. Also, um, I'm going to have to clear my search history after looking up all of this <laughs> stuff, because I am getting some ads now. <laughs> Uh, there's also prostitutes who would specialize in spanking people, uh, both men and women prostitutes who would do this. And there were actually entire specialized brothels, the flagellation brothels, that were just there. And you could go in, someone would spank you, and you'd pay them for it, and then you'd leave. I mean, it's your money. Yep. Some of the first photographic pornography was spanking porn. It was about 50% of porn was spanking porn. Is it a And this was at a time when photography was a fucking ordeal. So, like, someone had to sit perfectly still, like, with a paddle up against them or, like, after being spanked. I don't know how any of it worked, but this is, like, don't look it up, like, anybody. <laughs> but, like, the, this, these pictures, I was, like, looking at this and it's like, what the fuck? Yes, I sure hope that if any of my students are listening to this podcast that they have skipped ahead by this point. Nobody. Because my part's nicer. Nobody. Nobody should be looking this up. It's nobody really, should be listening to us. Nobody should be listening to us. And it was just, and there was like an entire like underground, like porn, a underground secret pornography trade because it was still illegal and unacceptable, but everybody was doing it. So weird. And then we're getting onto my second subject of my little mini things. And that is the Invisible Lesbians. So is this like, is this like that Invisible Man movie that just came out and there are lesbians that are invisible attacking you in your home? No, this is weirder. Being a gay man was one of the biggest taboos, even though it was totally okay to, like, you know, spank your friends. Sure. And, like, wrestling naked was just, like, what th something they did. Yeah, I remember reading that until, like, the 1960s or 1970s, maybe even, boys' swim classes in high school were done nude. Even uh, gay men were given harsh sentences. Um, like, Oscar Wilde was actually sentenced to hard labor for homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And just, like, lots of, all of the gay stuff was done very much in secret. There were, like... All of the gay stuff? I could probably word that better. Yeah. How should I word that? Liaisons between people of the same sex? Liaisons between people of the same sex was done very much in secret. Same se gender? Same gender. Uh, no, no. No, back then it was, like, we didn't have... Oh, I'm, we get did, I'm, but... I'm getting to it. This is only, only the men had like actual gay cruising in parks with a series of like secret gestures. The hand gestures, yeah. Yeah. All this was, stuff was done in secret. There's just an entire code to be able to pick up men in public places. Uh-huh. That was just done entirely in secret. But lesbians were actually fairly open. Sexual identities, as we see them, were not really defined at this time. So women weren't seen as sexual beings. Of course. You know, men were all that, all that sexual stuff. It was from men. You know, they were the only ones with sexual desires, which is probably why they thought homosexuality was bad because, you know. But women, they could just live together. They had something that was called a Boston marriage. Okay. In which these women who'd refer to each other as their wives and they just live together and share a bed. And nobody thought this was weird because they didn't say, oh, women aren't sexual. What, are, what could these two women be possibly be doing together in a bed? Kind of like that meme thing that was going around Facebook recently. Yes. Was the old picture of two women in bed. It was like, nobody can know what they're doing. We think that they're snuggling or wrestling. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And just like female intimacy was just widely accepted. So these were the invisible lesbians. Because it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like two men holding hands. The horror. Oh, look at those two women sharing a nice kiss. It's so sweet. They must be great friends. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I know. It was a different time. Uh-huh. So are you ready for some questions? No. Questions. Will Boston marriages be on the test? No. Will the fact, will the fact that Oscar Wilde got hard labor for homosexuality be on the test? Not until college. Yep. Will flagellation brothels be on the test? No. And... Is there any part of the abode of love that could be on any test? It doesn't sound like they had any real effect on larger society. It's like it was it was an interesting case about like overturning an insanity conviction in at the time, but there's been other ones and the laws have changed so much since then it doesn't really matter now and it didn't really set up precedence. And that's about the only thing of significance that came out of the abode of love. And it lasted for what, like a hundred years after until yeah, that last one? It was died? like a hundred years of this sex cult. Although what a sad life being the last living member of a sex cult, living in the sex cult house by yourself, thinking about all of the years of sex cultiness gone by. It's like every time you play billboards, you just look at that table. Billiards. 
Yeah, billiards. You just look at that table and sigh, thinking of the good times. Ew. This is so gross. That was, uh, that was the Victorians. Seriously, only the English could make a sex cult boring. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Minnesotans could give it a good go. I know. There is, winter in Minnesota gets weird. (laughs) It's like, you think we've been weird, like, because we've been, like, you know, in our little quarantine for a week. Everyone's locked together by winter for months on end. You can't go outside. It's just sex you can't and go hot places. dish and sex and hot dish. Sometimes at the same time. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Minnesotans. His whole family is like Minnesotan descent, which I think is more of a culture than Swedish at this point. For yeah, you. it's we, we are. It's like we are of Swedish descent, but I think we're more Midwestern than anything. We are very Midwestern. Like, I have, there's members of my family I've never seen smile except at garage sales. Well, that's because garage sales are the best. Yeah. Do you think, oh my goodness, Austin, if this quarantine lasts much longer, we're going to start getting into garage sales season. And then what? Oh, man. I don't know what we're going to do. Like, we've been talking about, like, yeah, garage sale season's coming up and we need to go thrifting. And I was like, I'm not touching a damn thing that someone else has touched. This is going to be rough, man. How are you going to find like quirky shit to put on shelves? I am looking for a vanity table for a room because my makeup is just a hot mess and I need a nice place to put it on and store it. And so my Facebook ads are sending me vanities and mirrors and I just kind of scroll past them. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I passed one and I stopped and I was like, Austin, come look at this. And he came in and I said, this mirror is haunted. And he goes, oh, shit, that mirror is haunted. Yeah. I don't know what it was about this mirror. There wasn't, like, a ghost face in it or anything. Ghost face killer was not in this mirror. And, like, I was like, okay, look at this mirror. And I went to a different one. He goes, that's not haunted. I'm like, no, it's not haunted. See, I, and, th- I thought you were going to talk about that horrifying purple one. Oh, no, that one was awesome. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was a, And like, I was just looking at flagellation pornography ones. from the Victorian era. But this, this was, was worse. This mirror was haunted. And then we lost a third of our listeners because, oh, she crazy. You're crazy, but you're the fun kind of crazy. You're not the Jessica kind of crazy. From uh, from Love is Blind? From Love is Blind, which okay. we were just talking about. Yeah, but I don't think we actually mentioned her name. We did. We were like, we Mark, and we were like, no, she's nothing but red flags. Maybe we said her name. I don't I'm know. sure we said her name. Well, anyone, um, I'm sure people heard our wonderful review of that show, stopped watching our podcast immediately, binge-watched all of Love is Blind, and then came immediately back to our podcast, and they're all caught up. We highly recommend watching Love is Blind because it does make you feel real good about yourself. See, I don't know if it's good or we've just been broken down by solitude. Well, we've also been watching 100 Humans, and I am highly critical of their methodology, which I think drives Austin a little nuts. It's like, it's a stupid show where they're just asking people to do funny things. Accept it as it is. I can't. This is not an actual scientific study. And they even sound so, they say so much. In, they're bringing in scientists to talk about why they got the results they got. And the scientists are confirming it. And I'm like, no, you can't confirm this until they have mm-hmm. a more solid but methodology. Are, but these are all like simplified versions of actual experiments that have been done. I mean, it's something that I, I, I dig it. And you do end up with favorites on the show. You don't know any of their names, which I think is cool. You don't know where they're from. You don't know anything about them other than, I mean, I guess they tell you their names at some point. Like a, a couple of them, they have like their name and then what they do for mm-hmm. a living. But you don't get to learn a whole lot about them. And then there are ones that you just hate. There's no, like, they don't give you a reason to hate them. It's like all other reality TV that it's like, I gotta have a villain. I know. My favorite is the guy who sang the tic-tac-toe song. He was the best part. He was also one, he was also the best dancer. I don't care. So today, my sources before I begin are Ancient.eu, Encyclopedia Britannica, Encyclopedia Iranica, National Geographic, The Iron Chamber, Livius.org, Wikipedia, and Forbes. That is a that is a list. Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia, Ted. I am talking today about Cyrus II of Persia. Ooh. Also known as Cyrus the Great, the Great King, King of Persia, King of Ashan, King of Medes, King of Babylon, King of Sumer, and Akkad, and King of the Four Corners of the World. And Mother of Dragons? (laughs) The ancient king historian Herodotus said that he, quote, brought into subjection every nation without exception. He was the first Achaemenid emperor. So he sounds like it's going to be a terrible story, right? Yeah, this sounds like it's going to be like, and then he conquered this, and then he conquered that. 
Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be yet another story about yet another asshole dude who decides he owns everything. Except that's not really the story we're going to hear. Ooh. And we could all use some good news this week. So Mm -hmm. I'm bringing in one of history's kind of good guys. Our history class is only focused on the bad guys in history. And while it's important that we do learn about them, and they say, you know, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, we also forget the opposite of that. It's like those who don't learn the good parts of history don't know how to replicate it. And that's the problem. We keep replicating the bad stuff in history because we never learned anything else. That's the only way way we know the world was ever run. We don't learn about the people who maybe weren't like that. And so we don't have anybody to follow, except for maybe George Washington. He owns slaves. Yes. This guy, there's actually slavery comes up with this, but you'll you'll learn about him. And some of you might already know about this guy. And that's especially true if you went to Catholic or otherwise parochial school. I did not. So I'm I'm assuming he's like, he was related somehow to Xerxes, who I learned about from the uh, documentary 300 starring Gerard Butler. (laughs) Okay. I'm still like personally insulted by the fact that Gerard Butler doesn't do musicals anymore. He was the only truly good part of the Phantom of the Opera movie. Okay, um, we just, I say we reshoot 300, but as a musical. I say we make, uh, well, God, what was that movie called, that, that musical called? Love Never Dies. Uh, yesterday we decided to look up the works of Andrew Lloyd Webber because that's where we are in our lives now. God, Cyrus II was an interesting guy. <laughs> Cyrus. Cyrus. This is not the child of Sirius Black. That girl never told Sirius about his child, would you? Oh, no. See, that's my vision of what happened with the Marauders. Everybody seems to want the Marauders stories to be written next. I'm like, so are we going to get to the part where where Sirius got some girl pregnant and she never told him and took the kid away because, dear God, he'd make a scary father? I am not. I am not on Team Sirius. Seriously. Seriously. It's not really his fault. I recognize how he ended up the way he was. And considering the upbringing he had, he turned out very well. And considering the fact that he was put in prison at the age of 20 or 21, the fact that he never matured past 20 or 21 is fine. I am not on Team Sirius. I was not, I was sad when he died in the sense that Harry was sad. There was no way the series could have continued with him alive. Speaking of Sirius, let's go back to Cyrus. There are a lot of oral traditions about the early life of Cyrus with Greek writers like Herodotus, C-T-E-S-I-S, Stius, Sistus? And Xenophon. Xenophon was like Victorian sex cult in love with Cyrus, writing largely contradictory pieces about it. And they often seem to over-exaggerate his greatness, but that's how good stories are written. Cyrus was the son of Persian king Cambius and Median princess Mandane, or possibly the son of Persian brigand Aratitus and his wife, a goatherd named Argosta, and Cyrus served as cupbearer in Princess Mandane's father's court before overthrowing them and then naming Astagius, Mandane's father, his father, and then marrying his daughter Amatus. Or perhaps he claimed to be the grandson of Astagius so he could gain legitimacy as a noble and marry Amatus for this reason. So we don't know much about him, but there's lots of great theories that sounds like they could be entire movies of awesomeness. Yes, but by most logical accounts, he was the son of Camis II and Mandane, the daughter of Astagius, A-S-T-Y-G-A-G-E-E-S, Astagius. Astagius? Astagi. There are two G's in there. Okay. Um, The Princess of Medes. And this is generally considered to be the truth. He was possibly born between some time... But sometime between 590 and 580 BCE. And regardless of who you believe anyway, everyone seems to believe he spent at least part of his youth in Astagis' court. Herodotus became the most important resource when it comes to the records of Cyrus's life, though a lot of the things he wrote are a bit idealized, not as much as the work of uh, Xenophon, which was intended to give the Greeks an idea of the deal, ideal ruler not to provide an accurate history. Also, Xenophon, totally in love with this guy. 150 years later, he's like, man, if I had one genie wish. <laughs> you know how it goes, anyway. Herodotus and Xenophon have one story in common about the childhood of Cyrus, which will likely sound very familiar. They say that Astagius, Astages, Astages, um, I can't even, like, shorten that. Asti, King Asti, dreamt that Cyrus would grow up to overthrow him and ordered him killed as a baby, but his chief advisor gave Cyrus to a shepherd to raise instead. So that's, you know, part of Man in the Iron Mask. That's parts of Snow White. That's parts of, like, I think Moses' story. 
This happens throughout Greek mythology, throughout Roman mythology, throughout the Bible. The story exists. And then at age 10, Cyrus was discovered by King Asti, but was found to be pretty awesome, so he was allowed to live. He did not marry a woman named Amethyst, even though a lot of stories are like, he married his daughter Amethyst. There's no actual evidence that he married someone named Amethyst. He married a woman named Cassandan, Cassandane, Cassie. Okay. Who was an Archimedean with whom he had four or five children. We know about Cambyses II and Bardia, a.k.a. Smyrtus, <laughs> which, you know, names we definitely need to bring back, Smyrtus. Bardia. And who were his sons, and Atossa and Roxanne, his daughters. There is another daughter named Artistone, but she might have been a half-sibling to the others and not a full siblings, which means that maybe there was an amethyst involved at some point. History is just weird. These guys largely went on to do some really interesting things themselves. Like Artistone might have been another name for biblical Queen Esther, but these are stories for another day. Apparently Cyrus and Cassandane actually really loved each other. And she died before him, but apparently said it was harder to leave him than it was just to die. So dying wasn't that bad. It was knowing she was leaving him. And when she died, Cyrus mandated a public mourning period of six days. Like, he actually liked his wife. We don't hear a lot about that from, This time period. The 500s to 500 to 400 BC era. era. They're like, nope, you just married the person you were told to marry. Mm -hmm. It's like, I secure- Usually your sibling and- It's like, I secured an important pact with with a rival with this marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's okay. Cyrus became king in 559 BC, so around age 40, if my backwards math is right, which seems really old. So my guess is that somewhere someone did math wrong. And when his, uh, because his father died, but he was not king king. To, he still had to recognize the Medes as his overlords, that his grandfather, King Asti, was still the big kahuna. So the Median Federation had been extremely powerful and not just in charge of the Persians, but also the Armenians, Persians, Drangians, and Aryans. So King Asti is in charge of everybody. When Cyrus became king, he created a united front with his tribe called the Pasagarde with the Marifil, Maspi, Panfiale, Derusae, Germani, Dahai, Mardi, Drapici, and Sagardi tribes. So he was like, hey, guys, let's get together and take care of this because this is bullshit. Yeah. They revolted against King Asti. King Asti sent an army after them commanded by a dude named Harpagus. But as soon as he got there, he was like, I surrender. And he defected to the Persians. So the army now has no leader. So he didn't surrender to the army, just himself. <laughs> and so he was allowed to join their army. He's on their side now. In 550 BCE, King Asti was captured and forced to surrender, which allowed Cyrus to integrate all of the Iranian tribes. Every single one of them is now under his control. They were excellent horsemen, so that gave his new army mobility that was not previously seen. And the willingness of the Medes to accept their new ruler may have been in part because Cyrus's mother was their princess to begin with. So he had legitimacy with them immediately. Now, unlike a lot of uh, new rulers, he didn't go in and impose a shit ton of new laws and kill everybody. That's not how he rolled. He was just like, okay, I'm your king now. Cool, guys. So now Cyrus is the king of the empire of Medes and Persia. He founded a government that incorporated people from both places as officials. So he actually is like, hey, I respect both places that I now am in charge of. You guys now are all part of my nobility. Yeah, that's... That's actually, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's like, like, cool, I'm not going to impose all of my shit on you guys. You yeah. guys going to have a say in this. He first had to consolidate all of the tribes on the Iranian plateau. His, so his first target after the tribes that he already had was Croesus, the king of Lydia and Anatolia, who had expanded his own lands after he found out that Cyrus had taken over. He's like, oh shit, I've got to make my own space bigger because this guy's going to come after me, which he was. Cyrus took Lydia in around 547 BC and Croesus was either killed or did self-immolation, which is burning himself to death because, you know, people do that a lot. But most likely, it sounds like he was taken prisoner by Cyrus and not treated like shit. He was like, you surrender? Okay, cool. You can, you're you're a prisoner now, but you aren't going to be beaten or anything. Taking over Lydia, Lydia was really rich in precious metals. So now he's super rich. So now he had all these people and all this money. So what kind of crazy sex cult did he found? I'm actually like, this is 
all pretty factual, but the years are wrong, uh, maybe a little wrong. We're not entirely sure if Cyrus died or was taken prisoner. We're not actually sure what Cyrus's background was or, you know, I mean, if uh, the dude from Lydia was taken prisoner or died. So I'm kind of, this is my thought. You know that, um, that work that no one can translate because it's not in a real, it's not in a known language. Yeah. But we know it's like some kind of actual work and not some kind of joke. Mm-hmm. And like code breakers have gone in and not been able to figure anything out. I think it's called The Real and True History of Cyrus the Great. <laughs> I feel like that's like the one space where we'll actually find out what really happened. But anyway, now he's in charge of all that places from before and Lydia. And then he managed to stop several revolts in Greek cities. And then he conquered the lands generally surrounding Mesopotamia. Then he was like, hey, Babylon looks pretty cool. Yes. And so he went it that way. He wented. Wented. He wented that way. He went that way. Luckily for him, the people were not happy with their ruler, who was named Nabodius. Nabonidius. Nabonidus. That dick had forced them into uh, labor. They were in forced labor every day. And he had even demoted their patron deity, Marduk. Which sounds like the name of a demon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think it was a demon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, lots of like Christian demons are actually the deities of other religions because we're dicks like that. So Cyrus shows up and he's like, I'm here to conquer you. And the Babylonians were like, cool, let us help you. <laughs> so they teamed up with Cyrus and the city fell really quickly. And this is going to sound very Games of Thronesy. Anybody who sided with Cyrus was spared. Anybody who fought against him was brutally, publicly, in many cases, killed. So he was the breaker of chains and mother of dragons. Yes, he was. Wow. He was the mother of fucking dragons. Even more so. We're getting it, we're getting into why he is more and more like her. That was in October 539 BCE. Uh, we seem to have actually got a time frame for this one. And an inscription reads that the people allowed him to enter the city, quote, in peace, amid joy, and amidst joy and jubilation. So Persia is now in charge of Babylonia, which is included in Mesopotamia, Syria, and Palestine at this point. So he owns like most of the Middle East. This is where Cyrus shows up in the Bible. You might have heard of uh, Nebuchadnezzar II. Yes. You did go to, you know, Sunday school, so. Yeah, it's like, I only recognize it as a funny sounding name. <laughs> he was the one who had forced the Jews to go into exile in Babylon. Oh. So Cyrus comes into Babylon and freed the 40,000 Jewish slaves. So see, motherfucking dragons, you're enslaved. You can stay here. You can go home. Do whatever you want as long as it makes you feel better about your lives. The 40,000 Jews went back to their land. Nice. And they were always like super cool with him after that. They were like, this guy actually freed us. And then he didn't come after us and be like, wait, I was kidding. That was pretty cool of him. In addition, he supported, and I would be willing to bet this part's not so much in the Bible, but I will admit I have not read the Bible. He supported the Babylonian customs and participated in them, including sacrificing to their gods. So you remember Marduk who got demoted? Yeah. He publicly worshipped Marduk along with the people to show I am on your side. These are these are beliefs that you are allowed to have and I'm going to continue to support you in having them. Yeah. I have a feeling that part's not in the Bible. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. So after taking Babylonia, Cecilia, his ally, had um, they allied with him way back, had retained a special status and became a part of his empire through diplomacy. So he was like, hey, guys, you've been my ally for a while. You're super small in comparison. How about you just kind of join us? And they were like, "Okay, cool. So he didn't even have to overtake them. He just went over and talked to them. And was like, we've had this mutual respect thing going. I feel like you guys would be better served as part of ours. We can provide you protection. We can all keep our and our trade lines will be open, more open, things like that. Diplomacy. Diplomacy. Wow. That's a word you don't hear very often. I know. Cyrus didn't think his beliefs or culture were better than that of those who he conquered. So he is largely remembered as a man of great tolerance and mercy. He united the Medes with the Persians, borrowing traditions of kingship from the Medes, and likely even had a Mede as one of his direct advisors. He began to dress like the Alamites, who he conquered at some point during this, because he conquered everybody. He began to dress like them. He allowed the people of his lands to worship whomever and however they wanted, restoring their rights to have images of their gods that had previously been banned. 
He basically combined all of their cultures and let people do their thing using a bit from each of the conquered countries in his own legal system. Well, you know what this is sounding a lot like? Hmm. America. Early America? Yeah, and that comes up. Ooh. So this guy was like, okay, I see all of these cultures, and the best way to rule them is not to impose my will, but to see what matters to them and incorporate that into making sure I am an effective leader and get to keep their loyalty. So he basically conquered all of these cultures, then combined them. And this is actually documented. This isn't just Xenophis being like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this guy is real. This is documented in the Cyrus Cylinder, which have you... you what? Yeah. The Cyrus Cylinder? The Cyrus Cylinder. It was like, that is some spot on alliteration. It's um, it's actually a cylinder. It kind of looks like those things that you get at the bank when they send you stuff back and forth through the tube. The, the, the swoop tube things? The swoop tubes. It looks like that, but it's made of stone. Okay. It was written in Babylonian cuneiform around the time of his conquering of the area. It was found by British archaeologists in 1879, so you know, in Pete Colt's uh, sex cult time. Yep. They're off, you know, having a sex cult and then going and digging up merciful guys' uh, cylinders. And it talks about how merciful he was to them, how he let them retain their cultures, which was unheard of at the time. And really, it's unheard of today. Yeah. And that he actually lived among them. Like, yeah, he had a central place that was his home, but he would go to these places and be among the people. So he was very Daenerysy. Wow. Uh, you know, except for he didn't have later. a dragon. Wait, did he have dragons? You're like, there's some unclear stuff in history. Did he have dragons? Do we have any real proof that dragons didn't exist? I mean, maybe he might have had tyrannosaurs. I'm not quite sure how the timeline works out on those. I might be off by 56 million years or so. Sixty. We know. Million. I think mastodons were still alive at this point. Maybe he had mastodons. Maybe. I don't know how time works. It generally goes forward. Does it though? It seems like it's been going forward a lot more slowly this year. See, I don't know that time is linear. I don't actually think time is linear. You're saying that time is a flat circle? I think time is a bunch of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. It kind of happens when it feels like happening. So I don't think that there are time travelers so much as that we are all time travelers. I mean, technically we are because we are all moving forward in time at the same rate. But like, do you ever have a moment where you feel like, whoa, something just happened, but but nothing actually happened? Yes. Like, I think that's, like, two of your timelines colliding for a second. Ooh. I'm a big multiverse theory person. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you, if you, um, it's like you have to believe in the multiverse. It's No, it's like, it's I'm, not, I'm not fully convinced that every single decision you make, you know, d- d- changes things into a new universe. <gasps> You're saying we're not but... all sliding doors. Oh, no, I have missed my sliding door. Oh, I've been hit by a car. How did we get off on this? I don't know. Anyway. So the artifact, the Cyrus Cylinder, is basically considered the first ever Bill of Rights. Really? In history. Awesome. So, like, there was, you know, the whole eye for an eye thing that I think was from before this. The Code of Hammurabi? Yeah, which is not a Bill of Rights. That is a... Code of Laws. Code of Laws. This is basically how to treat people and not people and not to treat people before and after conquering them. But Cyrus is not done taking places over. Because remember, he's still alive at this point in the story. Yep. Oh, I just hit the mic. Sorry, guys. So we know Cyrus had his eye on Egypt, but he never actually entered Egypt. His son ended up taking them over. There's also a solid possibility that he invaded India at some point, but we know he only ended up with control of Gandhara, which had to happen before he could take control of India. We know he didn't conquer the Indus Valley, and we don't know if he tried to. We just know he thought about it. I mean, who hasn't thought about conquering the Indus Valley? I know, like, sometimes I'll be sitting in bed in the morning. I'll, like, he's like, okay, I need to get up and get some coffee. Should I conquer the Indus Valley first? No, no. You have to have coffee before you conquer the Indus Valley. It's like don't even, don't even try to conquer the Indus Valley before I've had my coffee. So, but he did head east and fought against the nomads near the Caspian Sea. Their ruler, the Massagetis or Massagetis, a woman named Tamaris. Herodotus says that Cyrus captured her son. Her son killed himself while in captivity. And Tamaris comes up and is like, fuck you, and kills him. That said, this might just be a story, though his conquests definitely extended to East because cities far to the East were named for him. There are a lot of stories saying that Tamaris did kill him, whether her herself or her armies are the ones who took him out. How okay are we with Game of Thrones spoilers? Y'all have had plenty of time. So is Tamaris Jon Snow? He, she might be. She might. We might have some kind She of- might be Jon... Oh my god, you know, George R. R. Martin 
is a student of history. He's probably read all of this. So that means there's probably like white walkers, but in Egypt, the mummies, the mummies are the white walkers. Oh my God. Game of Thrones is real. I blew the lid off of this thing. We do have a defiled tomb coming up. Oh my God. Most people are belie- believe he was killed as part of this particular effort. Stesius said he was killed in India while Xenophon, you know, the one who really like had a hard on for him, believes he died peacefully in his palace. That's not what happened. We know that the news of his death reached Babylon in December 530 BCE and that they accepted his son Cambyses as king. Cyrus was buried near Pasagarde. His tomb is still there. It is a small building with a gold sarcophagus containing his weaponry, jewelry, and a cloak. The cloak had something to do with crowning new kings. While a lot of these stories end with the empire ending or having a lot of bloodshed after the death of their leader, that is actually not the case here. They had really liked Cyrus. So his empire remained and grew for about 200 years. He was held in high esteem by the Greeks, with Xenophon writing about him 150 years later, saying that he honored his subjects and cared for them as if they were his own children. They, on their part, revered Cyrus as a father. Even when the Greeks eventually waged war against the Persians, who succeeded Cyrus hundreds of years in the future, they still had respect for Cyrus. They were just aware that these people are not Cyrus. However, all good things must come to an end. When Persia was subjected by Alexander the Great, a lot of sacred items were taken so they couldn't coronate a, fo- a foreigner. And Cyrus's bo- body was desecrated in the process, thrown on the ground by the conquerors. And Alexander ordered things restored, though, in 342 BCE. Now, you know I like to end with a good quote for my subject when I can, but we don't really have any. So I'm going to leave you with the nine lessons in leadership as provided by Xenophon's work on Cyrus. Okay. So this is kind of... Xenophon's interpretation of what Cyrus meant, uh, what how he led, some stuff that's in the... Oh, how did I miss this? I missed this. Um, his Thomas Jefferson was known to have two copies of Xenophon's work, Cy, uh, Cyropedia, which was about the life of Cyrus. Cyropedia. 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 So Thomas Jefferson actually did definitely base some of his original U.S. laws and Bill of Rights stuff on what he did. And there is a replica of the Cyrus Cylinder at the U.N. headquarters in New York City. So he's still like, his beliefs are actually still considered important today. But here are the nine lessons in leadership as provided through Xenophon's work on Cyrus, which likely I couldn't find anything. I didn't feel like reading the entire translation of the cylinder, let's be honest. Yeah. But this kind of sounds like. I mean, read an entire cylinder. So one, be self-reliant. So like this isn't the America, the America first bullshit we're dealing with. This is replenish your own stuff so you don't have to ask others for stuff because you stay on better terms when you're not borrowing shit from your friends. Okay. Be generous. When you gain wealth, share it with those who you need on your side. So it doesn't matter who they are. If you're so, this is somebody who you feel like could benefit from this and eventually could be of benefit to you, especially... Share it with them. That's why, you, that's why you always bring donuts to the meeting. Always bring donuts to the meeting. Be brief. Be short to the point and logical so no one can raise objections. Basically, know what you're saying about it. Say it quickly and shut up. The opposite of what the orange monster does, where he just rambles and rambles and rambles with no logic behind it. Okay, so far I'm reading this and thinking, these all these rules should, in modern life, these should be applied to all staff meetings. Be a force for good. Now, I like what Xenophilius love good. Um, be, a, be, a, be a source for the good for the Nargles. <laughs> he wrote, whenever you can act as liberator, freedom, dignity, wealth, these three together constitute the happiness of humanity. If you bequeath all three to your people, their love for you will never die. Basically... Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Or the opposite of everything happening right now. Not what Thomas Jefferson... Well, Thomas Jefferson kind of wanted it. Who knows what Thomas Jefferson wanted? He was a weird He wanted guy. a dinosaur. I mean, who doesn't want a dinosaur? George Washington. George Washington was kind of old. George Washington didn't know they existed. We've oh my God, that's right. This. George Washington didn't know dinosaurs existed. And that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Be in control. Now, this doesn't mean be a dictator. This just means create create structure and discipline for your people and especially for your army. Be fun. This is literally one of the things on there. Be fun. 
He apparently loved to party. And so he'd invite all kinds of people over to his house, share a bunch of food and drinks with them, and then send extras home to people who couldn't come to the party. So what we're saying is Pasagarde loved party. Pasagarde loved party. Keep me rocking. You're just going to let me keep going, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I to see how long you could go. Um, be loyal. I don't think that needs an explanation. Mm-hmm. Be an example. Quote, in my experience, men who respond to good fortune with modesty and kindness are harder to find than those who face adversity with courage. Trump. Oh, man. Well, you know, I, I'm not surprised because if like someone who has vilified Iran as much as Trump has clearly has not read something by one of Iran's most famous leaders. Yeah. And then lastly, be courteous and kind. Don't allow those around you to show disrespect and don't show disrespect to yourself. So it's kind of like in the McCain-Obama election series, when somebody came to McCain and started insulting Obama, and McCain shut that shit down. It's like someone was calling him like a, a secret Muslim and a terrorist. He said, no, he's not. And also... Being a Muslim is not a problem. Yeah, he said, this is a person who I have different opinions from, but it's a person who takes care of and loves his family and is a good American. And then walked away. Unlike what we've seen today when somebody uh, went up to one of the major politicians, tried to say something, and the guy just walked away. This guy actually said, like, I will not allow you to disrespect the person I'm running against like this. Mm-hmm. I remember the Obama-McCain election run. And, you know, shockingly, I was for Obama. But I remember thinking, I'm not scared of McCain until Palin got involved. But hey, don't worry. She, um, can we talk about the best singer? Yeah, it's been enough time. Yeah. But don't worry. She does a pretty good rendition of I Like Big Bucks by (laughs) Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yes. But like McCain didn't scare me because I saw him. I'm like, this is a person who has different views from I do. But I feel like he at least will listen before he makes his decision and he might not always make the decision i would expect him to make i mean both of them fought for each other to be treated well yeah we haven't seen that since that run like i mean he and romney weren't too bad towards each other they weren't not great but not too bad i mean how nice can you be to somebody who made their fortune by basically like you know tearing apart businesses from the ground up and selling the parts who strapped their dog to the roof of their car. No, yes, I know. a yacht named Cracker Bay. Now, yes, I know Obama ate dog. I know this. I read his book. I also understand that he lived in a culture where that was acceptable. And P.S. eating bats did not cause coronavirus. But strapping your dog to the roof of your car is a very different thing. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't eat a dog, but it's not part of my culture either. Yeah. Just like, there are people who, like, we there's, eat there's, cow here. Yeah, there are and that's people who are probably them. aghast at the fact that, like, I'm going to have some beef jerky later. Or, the like, there are people in our own country, especially, like, who, I mean, the cow thing is true here, too, in our own country. But especially in our own country, people who are horrified from different religions that Austin and I eat bacon because pigs are unclean. In fact, I think, like, Christians used to think that, too. Or how, on Friday, we ate so much chicken. I don't know that chicken's a problem with any group. Other well, than it's, vegetarians. It's, it's Lent. Oh, yeah, I forgot about do, do Lutherans do Lent? It exists, but we we don't fucking care. No, and I went to, I I did Lent during Catholic school, which was two years, and then I was done. Because I was like, I can't imagine that that's a whole other thing. But did you know that capybaras are considered fish in parts of the I world? I told you that. Yeah. But I had to bring it up, and I'm asking my 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 listeners. Uh capybaras are the world's cutest mammals. There are parts of the world where meat is, like, scarce to begin with, but because capybaras live next to the water and part of their time in the water, they're considered fish and can be eaten on Fridays during Lent. Why are you eating the world's cutest giant gerbils? What is wrong with you? But then again, I just defended eating dog, so. Yep, I'd eat a giant gerbil. I would never eat a capybara. I want a capybara as a pet, and I think like, it would snuggle with us in bed. It's like, I'm like, there's a lot, I'll eat a lot of things. Like, I think the only thing I'm really weirded out about is I don't think I'd want to eat monkeys because they have people hands. And people faces. And then there was that one at the zoo that was showing off for us. <gasps> oh, yeah, I could never eat a monkey. Yeah, it was a baby orangutan? 
Yeah, baby orangutan. And it, came, it saw us, and it walked up and kind of looked at us, and then it was like, look at what I can do. And it walked over to a rope and put it in its teeth and then spun around in circles and then put its legs off the floor and it just let its free spin. I'm like, oh my god, toddler me totally would have done that if my teeth could have done that. Or it, oh, when it, um, then it like climbed up and like played a prank on its mom. Oh my god, they are just, like, we are half a step away from orangutans at best. Yeah, and we're like five steps away from platypuses. I feel like, okay, so you know in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the dolphins are taken away? I feel like the platypuses are more more likely because they are the least like anything else on Earth. We don't know what's going on in Australia right now. It's like they've had like fires, diseases, and uh, Tony Morrison? What? No. Oh, crap. Who's their, who's their prime minister? <laughs> not Tony Morrison? No, I think it's like, it, it's not, it's not Tony. Oh God, it's. I don't know. Some They've got a real asshole in charge there. We've been rambling. Are you ready for some questions? Yeah. Outside of a religion class, will Cyrus the Great be on a test? No, because America right now really hates Iran. And we never learn about people who did good stuff. Nope. Ever. Like, and that's like, okay, even when we learn about the Holocaust, we don't learn about Schindler, who was a real person. Yeah. We don't learn about him. They might briefly mention that the Danes were like, hey, we're not cool with this and hid people. Mm-hmm. We'll mention that some people hid Anne Frank. We don't realize that there are people doing stuff on a lark. There was a woman who saved like thousands of babies. Assuming he is on the test. Will the fact that he was accepted as a ruler because he treated people with kindness and then allowed them to continue their traditions be on the test? No, I think that would be because we're all about the kindness now. We try to be. Well, we we're, we we talk a big game about kindness. Will the fact that Jefferson definitely got some ideas from this guy be on the test? No, because the Greeks are the only things that led to democracy and we don't talk about anything else. And will the fact that he was defeated by a woman, possibly single-handedly, be on the test? No. Because, again, with, uh, especially not on a Victorian test, when the women, they couldn't possibly kill a man. It's madness. Well, what if... He killed her son, so it was only right. It was only right. It's only right. He, well, he should have been able to kill him himself. Was it a fair boxing match? Were they naked? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the BCE time, so probably. Where is the snake? She's probably under something. I sure hope so. She's escaped a couple of times. Yeah, I found her on top of. I found her on top of my computer like a couple of weeks ago. She's just sitting out there because it was warm, and it's like, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, what are you going to do about it? So I put her back in her cage, and she's like, oh, yeah, probably that. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook at On The Test Pod. Yes. Uh, on Instagram at On The Test Pod. On Twitter at On The Test Pod. And on our website, onthetestpod.com. If you enjoy us, or even if you don't and you just really like lying, give us that five-star review. <laughs> Give us a rating, give us a subscription on iTunes or whatever podcast format you listen to us on. And we've gotten a couple of new reviews. Thank you, guys. I'm trying to, if I know, if uh, my, my brain died. It did. But well, we don't, you're not people we know in real life. So thank you. Yep. And, you know, if you've got suggestions for future episodes or corrections or things you just want to talk, talk to us about, we are bored. We're sitting at home. We're in quarantine. I'm we working. Need, we need entertainment. We're both working next we week. We need entertainment. Yeah, guys, we're watching Love is Blind. We are in desperate need of entertainment. So yeah, please send us your ideas. Like we're we're big on getting ideas from other people. Yeah. Because we don't, shockingly, we didn't have a great history education based oh, on this podcast. Yep. So Yeah, it's like every week it's like, oh, didn't learn that. Should have learned that. Boy, that would have been useful 10 years ago. And while you are stuck at home, first of all, if you can stay at home, Stay at home, please do, and wash your hands, even if you're staying at home. Even if you go to the bathroom and I didn't touch anything. All day, you've touched nothing. Wash your hands. If you have to go out in public, wash your hands. Mm -hmm. Take care of each other. Don't hoard the toilet paper. Don't hoard the masks, the rubber gloves, the hand sanitizer that won't do you much good anyway. Although we have been finding hand sanitizer all over our house. We have about 40 bars of soap because I was raised to take them from hotels. And we got like five little mini hand sanitizers. So, man. It's we like, are rich. When, the bar- when this finally breaks down to barter system, we can get toilet paper. But remember, when you go to the store, take what you need. Take what your family needs. Remember, though, that there are people out there that have a higher need than you, a larger family than you, or at a higher risk than you, most of you anyway. 
leave stuff for others. You're not the only one who matters. Yeah. What would what would uh, Cyrus. Cyrus say about this? I believe he had specific things to say about this. It's be generous. And this is a way to be generous. Be courteous and kind. Don't allow others around you to be disrespectful and don't respect them yourself. Yeah. So it sounds like he had some really good advice for us these days in these trying times. I have been hearing stories about people like being intentionally coughed on when they buy something that someone else wanted to get. Yeah. And that's not okay. Like, even if it's a fake cough, guys, like, you're no. not, that's not cool. You're not funny. You're not cute. You're not clever. You're a dick. America is full of assholes. We know this. It's like, and also you, like, if you see somebody who's buying, like, in our case, we might go and buy 120 cans of cat food. Uh, we usually buy 60. They come in 60 can things. We're not hoarding the cat food. We have four cats and are trying to make fewer trips to the store. Now, if we bought all the cat food, at least ask if we run an animal shelter before spitting on us. Yeah. Because, oh, that's your thing. If you have, if you're stuck at home and you're bored, call your local animal shelter. See if they'll let you foster an animal. They're yeah. looking for fosters a lot right now because their people are just as vulnerable as, as we are and their animals need care too. And think about all the socialization that an animal could get being at home with you. Yeah. And especially, like, first call a kill shelter. See if they can do it. Because kill shelters, usually uh, no-kill shelters pull from kill shelters when they can. But right now, although at the same time, if you you pull from a kill shelter and then you have to send them back, oh. Yeah. Find a place, pull an animal. That's volunteerism you can do without having to leave your house more than like once to go pick up the it's, animal. It's, you know, it's a it's a good idea to get out of your house and walk because you can still walk around as long as you like, you know, keep the six feet apart thing when you're out there, which is super easy when you're outside. Yeah. In and most places. support your local stores if you can. I mean, if you don't, if you don't feel safe going out, don't go out. Nobody's judging you for that. But like today we went to our local grocery store. We have this local, local grocery yeah. store. Like it's owned by like one of the city council members who is lovely, not like one of the evil types of city council members. Yeah. This is a uh, Leslie Nope, not a Jeremy Jam. Yes. And oh, ah! you monster. And so, I'm holding the mic now. <laughs> um, so we went to our local grocery store and we bought stuff made by local artisans today. And it was nice to get out of the house. It's the first time I've left the house in a week and a half. Austin's at least been outside. I haven't. So support places you feel safe supporting. Be nice to each other. Be nice on the internet. Don't call it the Chinese virus. We will punch you through this podcast. Yeah, it's like we know it came out of China, but... Because people are calling it the Chinese virus, people are assuming all Asians Americans are carrying it, and there's all sorts of hate crimes being committed. So call it the fucking coronavirus or coro- or COVID-19. No, I especially love, well, they hid it from us. I'm like, yeah, and doctors were trying to unhide it, and they died. Yeah, it's like, cool, there are very specific members of the Chinese Communist Party. You can be mad at for that. You can't be mad at lady down the street who is Asian. And also... Let's not forget that we recently found out that Trump classified all meetings that had happened about this until February, until like the end of February, beginning of March. They've known since December or January. Yeah. So I guess on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.